0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: My Family Recipe is a new podcast from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. So you
2: don't shun the devil with your rock and roll.
3: Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. Just the two of us today. How's it going?
2: Just the two of us. I know. It's such—it's an intimate show, you know? It's really nice.
3: Uh, well, intimate but still spread out because we're still in the virtual studio, so we're not in studio together live. Uh, but, you know, thanks to technology, we can keep on doing the show.
2: Uh, yeah. Pan- Pandemic, uh, you know, accoutrements are still with us. You know, some of the I, – I, I, we've talked about this before on the show. I kind of like – the fact that we are in this virtual studio, because it means we can talk to people from all over the world, like our friends in Dublin or Lima or New you know, Zealand or Peru. Yeah. I mean, we've had or in California in- with Damon, which is great. Right. But uh, uh, there was something in the, the New York Times this past week. I don't know if you saw it about uh, there's a lot of pushback about formalizing and making permanent one aspect of the pandemic that apparently a lot of people really like, but a uh, Seemingly small group of people really don't, and that's outdoor dining.
3: Oh, well, Greg, I hope you know that I'm among the small group. I don't like them at all. Really? Yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, there's not enough standardization on their build, and our sidewalks and streets, I feel, aren't ready for them. You know, when you go to say Miami, which has plenty of outdoor dining, it's uh, you're walking along the sidewalk, and then. You know, whichever direction uh, towards the restaurant, there's a lot of space and that's where their outdoor is. And then you go into the restaurant here as you're walking down the sidewalk, you're effectively walking through people's restaurants uh, because the, you know, the sidewalks are so small and we're doing the parklets in the street. Um, I think they're kind of unattractive.
2: (laughs) I mean, well, that's the thing is they, they are unattractive, and I think it's because there hasn't been, as you said, a lot of standardization. I'm surprised to hear you come out against this, considering the last time I went to visit you, you were literally building a hutch outside of Amore Marga, which I, I assume the guys working on it were not working for free. So as someone with some money in this, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear that, you know, even with skin in the game, you're against the whole thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, believe me, it's uh, it has done a lot to help my business survive. Um, and many businesses I'm sure. Uh, however, I don't like it and I never intended for it. You know, I didn't open a business that had an outdoor service. Um, we've had to adapt and overcome, uh, and I will be pretty happy to see my outdoors gone. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to keep it till spring. Um, and then we're going to get rid of it.
2: So, So no more spritz by Amore Amargo, huh?
3: Well, right now, actually, we're, we're almost finished in remodeling the hutch, believe it or not, which is going to be turned into these cozy little cubbies. Um, and we're redecorating Spritz, and now we're calling it Loja or Lodge by Amori Margot. Instead of long drinks that are effervescent using vermouth bitters in Amaro, we're doing hot drinks using vermouth bitters in Amaro. So, Caldo Amari. Um, and that's going to start. The plan was it st- was going to start today (laughs) construction. Uh, then we said Friday, uh, and now it looks like it's going to be next Friday. Um, construction, construction, construction.
2: Yeah. Well, as the sunshiny aspect here on today's show, since we don't have Damon sunshine bolty here, I'm going to come out (laughs) swinging and say, I actually like these things. Um, and I like them because, you know, I mean, eating, Eating outside when it's nice is fun. Uh, It's about to suck outside for a while in New York City. But beyond that, I kind of enjoy them from, like, an architectural standpoint. Like, they're kind of, like, building jewelry. Like, you don't really get to choose what the building that you move your establishment into looks like. But these things are this really fun, interesting way for places to, like, personalize themselves. Like, there's a place near me. It's a dive bar near me that's built, like, frickin' bookshelves outside of it with actual real books. One of them is actually my favorite book. I picked it up and started reading it one time while I was waiting for somebody and I think that's kind of nice and fun and I like them. Um, That said... The New York Times article that I referenced earlier um, did quote from a lot of people who share your curmudgeonly take on it, Souther, but not necessarily <laughs> for the same reason. There was some really ama- there was this really amazing quote from one person who had this real pearl clutching thing of just like I saw the first rat I have ever seen in my yard in fifteen years of oh,
3: living in the West Jesus. Village. It was like, Oh Jesus, you are clutching your pearls and lying. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, four Stop rats to every presses. four rats to every human being in in New York, estimated, which probably means they're wrong. Uh, come on, lady. Yeah,
2: those are the ones you can see. And also, I mean, it's just like I'm sorry, you have a problem with your yard in yeah. the West Village. Like, yeah. oh no, someone bumped into my jaguar on the street. Just like I'm. Yeah. Let me let me pull out my sympathetic face. I think I left it in my backpack.
3: Yeah, well, everybody's got their views on these things. I think for me, the bigger problem, uh, the biggest problem with it, and I kind of agree with you. As time goes on, if people continue to do them, which by the way, they've been free from the city f- to, to operate outside on the parklets, you have to build your own thing, everything of course. But you know, there's no cost to it. Starting next year, there'll be a cost. You'll, I think, we'll see a lot of them go away immediately because of that. But also, if people want them, I think they will build, especially places that are new and just opening. They will build them nicer. Don't forget, I built mine uh, thinking this is only going to last a couple of weeks. And then we had to keep building on it and keep building on it. And many people have done the same. Uh, you know, we, we, none of us thought this was going to last two years. Um, so I think that's what, for me, that's what gives them this kind of shanty town vibe. They don't seem very well organized or put together because we were all thinking just make something last for a couple weeks and then, okay, well now you got to add this cause it's getting cold out or now you got to add this cause it's raining. You got to put a top on it or whatever. It just, it's, it's like the Winchester mystery house.
2: I suppose. But it's also one of these things where it's like, you know, I mean, I, I, I worry that we have this conception in this country of just like, well, we're not going to execute anything unless it's perfect. You know, that's why the public health care option is so fucked up, because mm-hmm. we waited until it was like perfect, i.e. it was compromised to the point where it pissed everybody off equally. And now it doesn't work and it's too expensive, you know, whereas yeah. with stuff like this, you know, I mean, Jesus, you think that, you know. If FDR had waited to be like, well, we're going to not we're not going to release the new deal until it's perfect, like it would have how it would have provided such, you know, uh, immediate relief for the Great Depression. No, he threw a bunch of legislative shit at the wall and saw what worked and what didn't. And I think this is kind of like that. You know, we acted fast. We were in a crisis. We created this thing. And now we're in a process of having to figure out once we have the luxury of some breathing room, Okay, what are we going to do? And how can we make it work better? And part of the rhetoric that bugged me about this piece is that there, there's always this sort of it played at this tension between like businesses versus the neighborhood. And yeah. there was one uh, quote from a restaurateur whose name escapes me, unfortunately, but it was very smart. Who was like, "Look, I'm all for figuring out the right way to do these." He's like, "You think I want rats and trash all over the street too?" He's like, "No, I live here. I work here. Let's work together and find a way that we can that we can make it right." So I hope that that's the outcome that we get, and not you know take it down because I want my parking space back.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's get that would uh... be that
2: would be thievery. <laughs> of something that i think we all enjoy and speaking of which Southern, who do we have in the studio with us today
3: uh today uh, we've got john mcnulty uh owner of the new bar uh thieves uh, in in williamsburg john welcome to the studio
4: thank you thanks very much southern
3: man super glad to have you um and you know want to talk to you uh, about thief but i want to roll back the clock a little bit and talk about like uh uh you know your your career in this field and your time working with uh with swine and and most notably the cocktail kingdom hospitality group uh Mm -hmm. so let's get into that a little bit one actually led
4: one actually led to the other a little bit well yeah exactly in the same location as katana kitten right right and greg greg was an investor in um swine see i had no i I didn't i I didn't know that at all that's pretty crazy
3: Um, yeah not that I like keep tabs on Greg Bohm's life, but I, I had no idea that he was in, uh, involved in Swine.
4: Yeah, he was. I, I've been friends with Greg for you know quite a quite a while, and uh, I had come to him um, with with the Swine uh, business plan, and, and yeah, he ended up throwing some money in, and then. Uh, when um my partners were kind of ready to get out, I had already sold my shares at that point. But uh, mm-hmm. when they were ready to get out, I went to Greg with the location and and said, "Listen, man, like I don't I don't think we should let this location go." Uh, you know, swine. You know, swine lasted five years, but there were you know we had some hiccups, and there there's a reason it, you know didn't last a little longer. I I I knew that something could be a giant success in that location,
3: uh, and you're obviously quite correct about that because now it houses katana kitten which yeah. uh, gets accolades ac- accolades on top of accolades 14th best bar in the world according to world's
4: 50 best right absolutely yeah yeah the, and, we got and that in the short order year, so. how old is katana at this point we opened in 2018 they opened in 2018 i, I am not a part of katana anymore um but you know i i was a, a, a part of the opening and and was very proud of uh of of what we accomplished
3: yeah, I mean, just such a, a a unique space where you enter kind of on a, on the a mid level floor and you go up to the bar or down to the lower bar. Yeah, um, and the team that you have over there is just incredible. Like uh, masa is I don't think I've ever caught that guy not smiling.
4: He's unbelievable, like honestly, uh, hospitality wise, yeah, I think he's one of the best've I've ever worked with. Just uh, you know he he really makes people feel great.
3: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, to to like, there's a point in time because I've known him for some years now. There was a point in time where I was like, "This guy's fake. This is a fake guy," <laughs> right? But then it just keeps on going year over year, and you're like, "Okay, it's not an act. This guy's just this way. This is just how he is." Um, it's incredible. Um, so, Swine is done. Katana Kitten, you're no longer part of, but you were running cock, running or part of Cocktail Kingdom's Hospitality Group, which is huge at this point, right?
4: Yeah. So I when I joined and I, I joined right around twenty seventeen, I believe um, they only had Boilermaker and the original mace at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the way this all kind of happened was uh, was me bringing, you know, the space to Greg and, and being like, listen, like, you know, and he he had already been talking to James and Massa um, about doing something, James Tune, exactly. Uh, they had a, uh, they, they had a concept in mind and then, yeah, like, you know, over that next year, um, Katana Kitten came to life and I kind of, um, you know, almost wrote myself a little bit of a job description for Cocktail Kingdom. Um, you know, talking to Greg, uh, for a while saying that, you know, I I thought he could use kind of someone that was really focused on the hospitality side, since he had some other projects he wanted to get off the ground. So that, that's how my my career there started, and um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, so we went, you know, we did Katana Kitten, and then we went on to do Existing Conditions, um, which unfortunately, you know, isn't there anymore. But houses the third iteration of Mace.
3: Yeah, uh, which I still haven't gotten over to see that one. Um it's I only got to see the second location a couple of times because, you know, the, the pandemic gets in the way of everything. Right. Um,
4: so I opened that one as well um, and opened the cabinet with them um, and also uh, did a remodel on on a Boilermaker. So it was a, a busy few years that I was with them.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Greg's uh, not known for sort of standing around and resting on his laurels. No. Though, for sure.
4: No, no. And I, you know, I'm kind of the same, which is, I think, why we we get along so well. Um, you know, I was all about it. Like, any anytime he had an idea, I'm like, let's do it. We can do it. So... Um, and you know, you, you gotta yeah, get over I, to, I, I to that. I have that way. same,
3: <laughs> I have that same affliction. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, too, too, too much. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I can, I can carry any load. Just, sure. One more thing. Why not?
4: <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really, I, I, that, um, you know, it's funny because my background, you know previous to Cocktail Kingdom was was very restaurant focused. You know, I worked for Gabe Stolman and I I worked for a bunch of really great restaurateurs in in New York City. Cafe Luxembourg was my my first job, you oh, know, wow. moving into New York City. So it's it's funny that it kind of transitioned me um you know, I was always into bars of course and I was a beverage director um for most of the restaurants that I worked for. So um, but it did transition me into this mindset of uh, of of not really wanting to open another restaurant you know because swine was pretty much a full-on restaurant and and I think that really turned turned me into into the uh, mindset of of let's you know let's do a bar.
3: yeah, and now you've uh, you've you've transitioned out of the cocktail Kingdom family and right. you've opened your own bar, thief in, yes. in, in Williamsburg, which you opened just back in June.
4: Correct. Um, You know, funny enough, uh, the whole thief thing came about by uh, one of Greg's friends coming to us uh, while I was still at Cocktail Kingdom. Excuse me. He was uh, looking for for some consultation on uh, turning um, a gelateria into maybe just a wine and beer bar to start Mm -hmm. um, over in the East Village. And, uh, that was kind of, ha- so, so Greg and I were going back and forth with it and we were, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. And then it got to a point where I, I came up, I, I actually came up with Thief. Um, I, uh, I showed Greg kind of the, you know, the, a, a brief kind of concept laid out. And, um, and then I was like, you know, would it make more sense if I did this on my own? Since it, it doesn't, you know, we, we weren't going to be able to get a full liquor license right away. The place didn't have an existing Liquor license, being a gelateria. And, uh, you know, I, I started thinking me with, like, kind of more of a beer and wine background. Um, you know, maybe this made more sense if I just kind of went on my own and did it. And and Greg was like, do it. So that's where it was originally going to be last year. And I left Cocktail Kingdom in January to focus on it. We'll talk- um,
2: oh, I was, was going to say, I just want to hear you talk a little bit about the name. Because uh, clearly the name is something that yeah. is is very important to you and something that it seems like you put a lot of thought into,
4: yeah, so thief um, is is derived from you know the pipette like tool that is used in in any sort of barrel tasting, where whether you 're at a distillery or a brewery or a winery when you 're extracting liquid from a barrel and putting it into a glass, they call that a thief, so in the wine world it 's called a wine thief in the you know, the whiskey world, it's called a whiskey thief. Uh, I always thought that was cool. I actually have friends in New Haven, Connecticut that own a wine store called the wine thief. And I always thought that was such a great name for a wine store. And it was always kind of in the back of my head. So yeah, when I laid down that concept for a beer and wine, when it was just going to be a beer and wine concept, that that's where thief came from.
2: I kind of love that, and and it's also, I mean, you talked a little bit um, to us before the show about this idea of like stealing back time, right?
4: Right. Yeah. So the the whole, you know, so after um, the you know lockdown, and and once I, you know, so the the first one in the East Village was derailed, and then. Um, I went back to work for a group I was working for in Westchester because they they, you know, never lost indoor dining besides during lockdown. Um, in July of last year, I went back and worked for this group called Fortina, which has a few uh a few locations in Westchester and Connecticut. And um and then while I was doing that, though, uh, a couple of my investors had dropped out, but I still had a solid in, investor that really still believed in in the concept and wanted to do it. So I I continued to look for investors, and I put it all together. And and mean, while this was all going on. This spot across the street from my apartment became available, and um, and that's how we ended up in in Williamsburg. Well,
2: that's convenient.
4: Rather than the East Village, yeah, and um, you know. Uh, had an active liquor license and, uh, you know, full, full 4am liquor license, you know, all, it all like came together and, and really, you know, kind of, uh, you know, one of the good things that came out of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. You, for for, so there's for a, me, there's a bit of
3: like strange guilt when you I, realize there, I, are, I, there I, are good I, things that came from the pandemic. It's, I, it sucks, I, but it's true.
4: Um, for, for us anyway.
3: Yeah. uh, You know, for lots of people, anytime something's going on, whether it's good or bad, there are people who are winning and losing, uh, and there are ways to win even when things are shit. Um, right. Well, I'm glad you got the space. It's a, it's a cute little spot. I know the space pretty well. Um, and it's just uh, off the park there in Williamsburg, um, which I'm sure drives a good, good amount of business. of folks who want to have a glass of wine or, or a beer before they go to the park, uh, and some cool snacks.
4: For sure. And sorry, Greg, I never really answered the, your steal back time question. So to answer the the original thought, uh, the steal back time, once, you know, we went through this whole ordeal, ended up getting the space, you know, not post pandemic, but post lockdown and all of that. And when the world started opening up again, we kind of came up with with this concept of, of, you know, steal back the time that you lost during uh, during that year and a half, you know. Yeah,
2: man, I, I I love that. And I love that idea of like, you know, <clears throat> bringing, bringing back, just acknowledging that something was lost there, not like trying to pick up right where we left off and like brush ourselves off and like, oh, that was weird. But, you know, having the space to, you know, acknowledge that we all collectively went through something horrifying, but also, like you said, like there were, there were Moments that came out of it that weren't as bad. There was growth. There was transition, and I think, you know, the the perfect spot to celebrate that weird liminal space of like, well, it wasn't all bad. It certainly wasn't all yeah. good. It was just a trying time. The best place to celebrate that, in my mind, has always kind of been like the corner neighborhood bar. You know,
4: for sure. Yeah, absolutely. For it's, sure. A,
3: it's a it's a hub of society, and it kind of always has been. Um, Well, this seems like a good spot to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and keep talking to John McNulty about the state of neighborhood bars and what does the return of New York City mean for bars in general? And then definitely, definitely want to talk about Miracle. So stay tuned.
1: Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Aarti Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My family recipe from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food 52's much loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes, and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love.
4: Chinese people aren't, like, born with a download on how to, like, velvet chicken. You know, like, that's not something that just, like, comes to you.
1: Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And we are back. You were listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Today, we're talking with John McNulty from the newly christened Thief in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And uh, before we went into the break, we were talking a little bit about neighborhood bars and what they mean to all of us, have always meant. But uh, we want to talk a little bit about what you, John, think the state of the neighborhood bar is is right now, how that might have changed and where it might be going in the future after the really crappy two years that bars and restaurants have had across the world.
4: I mean, I, I think that it was, um, you know, it's, it's profoundly unfortunate. Some of the neighborhood bars we lost in this, in this past, you know, year and a half, couple of years. Um, I lost a couple of my favorite ones. Um, a couple that yeah. I even, you know, had a part in opening. Um, and so, you know, I, it really meant a lot to me to be able to to open this place and um you know uh, try to be a you know the a neighborhood bar that that feels kind of normal. We we got really fortunate with the timing. We opened June 23rd, so basically like a couple weeks after everything was kind of dropped, you know, all the restrictions were dropped, so we opened up as a normal bar with uh you know um we 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 actually were were vax only um the the entire time pretty much um even before the mandate um we we kind of uh we didn't do the mask thing um and and kind of just did the the vax only but um yeah i I think the neighborhood bar right now is is definitely on an upswing from what i can see in in my neighborhood like all the bars around here that I like to go to seem to be thriving because people wanna get that time back that they lost, not being able to sit, sit at that bar and and enjoy the things that they enjoy about these places.
2: Yeah, man. And I think it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I, I think about this a lot about the last show so that, that you and I did in March of 2020, I think it was, it would have been March 11th. It was with the crew from the up and up, and it was in the studio behind Roberta's. We met like normal. We had pizza. And I remember uh I almost we were talking about the coronavirus at the start of it. And we're like, oh, this is getting pretty scary because I think the night before, like the NBA had just called off the rest of its season. Yep. And I am so thankful that I didn't say what was on my mind then, which is like, look, neighborhood bars are going to be fine. Like no matter what the crisis is, people are always going to want to have a place to go and drink and commiserate and uh who am I glad I kept that to myself until now? Um, but I, I think, I think you know, now it's sort of what we're talking about with John. It's a little bit of, you know, retroactively, now that it's once again safe to go out to these places, it's, it's true because that is the spot that you want. You want that third place where you can congregate and commiserate and be around people who, you know, just by their geographical location next to you at the bar, have something in common with you, you know?
4: I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it was one of the things that I missed the most was being able to, you know, sit at a bar. You know, even when we started, you know, doing kind of these soft openings with indoor, um, you know, New York City still wasn't letting people actually sit at the bar, which is just really important to me. Um, You know, I was going back to kind of Connecticut and the places that were still allowing people to sit at bars (laughs) so I could sit at a bar,
3: Right. So you at least had a little escape and a little pressure valve that you could release when needed. Right. Uh, because, yeah, it definitely was a thing that, that I missed. I still, um, uh, you know, it's, it still reverberates. Um, I'm very, very happy that uh, New York City still mandates that we check for vaccines. It makes me feel a lot more comfortable to go to places and sit close to people and, and commiserate and get back into that swing. And I, I don't know what I missed the most, frankly, what involves obviously sitting at the bar, but it was meeting people. Just chatting with some random stranger in New York City is part of the charm of living in New York City. And to have that taken away for a lengthy period of time was really one of the greater amenities to living in this city that was removed from my you know, use. So really happy to see bars back open and happy to see the bars are opening. It's uh, inspiring and, uh, and reassuring uh, to know that you're out there and you cranked open a place during the pandemic. So st- stoked for that. Thanks, man. No, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to make my way over there. I, I, I'll make a statement right here. I'll be I'll be in your bar before the weekend is over. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, wow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, my buddy Todd and I, uh, we've been uh, trying to uh, take long walks because uh, we both gained some weight during the pandemic uh, <laughs> and uh, we've walked past Thief several times. So uh, I'm just going to say, let's pull in here. Uh, kind of counterintuitive to the walk, but you know
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> exercise. Do you, everyone. Do you live easy he endorses healthy living in moderation. In moderation,
3: <laughs> all things in moderation. Do you speaking live in the moderation? Uh, I live in yeah. Bedsty now. Okay. Um, right. I, I had to. I had to move during the pandemic because of, uh, well, because of the pandemic, I got evicted. Um, but uh, yeah, so I live in Bed-Stuy. Um But uh, speaking of moderation and the lack thereof. Uh, you graduated from the, uh, um, uh, Greg Bohm, uh, uh, cocktail kingdom school of hospitality. I so did. you're walking out of there with a, a lesson, which is miracle works. So you're going to do miracle.
4: I am going to do miracle. Um, I actually, this is going to be, you know, so I, I obviously, um, was involved in them when I was with cocktail kingdom, but, but no, no way not to be, I would assume. Uh, yeah, no way, no way not to be, um, but uh, previous to that, I actually was uh, the the f- one of the first franchisees. I believe it was myself in Mockingbird Hill in in DC. Is that right? Is that the sure. Mockingbird that Hall, the, Mockingbird uh, Hall or Hill? I think it was uh,
3: Hill. Yeah, it was Jack yeah. Brown's place, right?
4: Right. They uh, we uh, we were the the first, and I think they signed on second or vice versa. But we were the two first franchisees of Miracle. I did one in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, called miracle on wall street. Yeah. Awesome.
3: <laughs> Just for edification of the listener, describe what miracle is and then talk to us about what is going to happen at your bar during and because of miracle, because I've seen this happen at bars. It is, it's powerful.
4: So, I mean, obviously, uh, Greg Bohm would would be the one to really talk about this, but I will tell you what I know, which which is a bit. Um, you know, Miracle is a, a a worldwide now now a worldwide franchised uh, holiday pop up cocktail bar, um, and uh, it it came about when Greg uh, first got the space in twenty fourteen for um, for Mace the first Mace on Ninth and C. And he had some time uh, to spare right in the, you know, right in that November, December area. I I forgot exactly what they were waiting for uh, build out wise or something like that. But they uh, I believe it was Greg's mom, um, which, uh, you know, is funny since it's a Jewish family that said you should do a Christmas bar. Kick, I, I always got a how kick i always got a kick out of that
3: how many christmas songs are written performed by jewish people uh, you never hear any jewish hanukkah songs
4: uh, you know so um the, that is an that opportunity to see the opportunity You grab it that was how miracle was born um and it was a giant success its first year and and basically you know the the key i think to uh to it being a success is is really making it vomit christmas it's just over the top kitschy cheesy old school <laughs> yeah. kind of christmas decorations and and it the the cheesier you get um uh, I think the 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 more it works. In, sure, in I think
3: uh, the the best mm-hmm. ones that I've been to are the ones where you are not looking at a snow globe; you are inside the
4: fucking <laughs> yeah, snow globe. Oh, yeah. little, no you either. are looking out. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um we did that first one in in Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, and and that was a huge success. I, I couldn't believe it. um Made a lot of my friends mad, actually, that were bar owners in the area that I just came in and took over the upstairs of an existing bar. And we had a a line around the corner for uh, for about, you know, I only did it for 16 days that first time, actually, because I I signed on late, Um, just kind of decided to do it. Uh, But anyway, this year at Thief, uh, we will be doing Miracle on Union, um, which actually opens next Tuesday um we we close this Sunday and uh turn the entire place into a uh yeah, putting you inside a snow globe, as Southern said. Um we're doing a little bit of a Grinch theme because uh, you know, he was a thief. Um love it. So, love there, <laughs> so there's gonna be a little bit of a Grinch theme. We 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 may or may not have an eleven foot inflatable Grinch that's gonna be outside with <laughs> the bar. <Maybe> not.
2: <laughs> it's actually 12 feet.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah we' we're, we're super excited about it. my My head bartender and uh, a couple barbacks are as we speak over there uh, making these um you know pretty intricate syrups. The thing about miracle I, I gotta say is the the cocktails are not just you know some cloyingly sweet you know uh, holiday cocktails that you might picture they're they're super well balanced.
3: Well, right. uh, Coming from the team that it comes from, the reputation has to stand, right?
4: Exactly. So, you know, I I think that is another reason that that people go and actually have the cocktails and are kind of, you know, a little bit blown away that the the cocktails are as good as they are, um, but I can attest uh, we don't have a full kitchen, right? So these guys are over there with induction burners right now, making about uh, <laughs> I don't know twelve different syrups that we need um, to to pull these cocktails off. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're super stoked.
3: I mean, I talk uh, to my good friend, Laura Newman, about doing Miracle down in Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, she's been doing it. She she kind of did it the true Miracle way. She got a space. She was getting ready to open. She franchised into Miracle, did Miracle first, then love opened it. her bar, right? Which is kind of how the original oh, happened. I love it. Uh, and And she talks to me about. Uh, yeah they fly people in they bring in a team uh, of folks from all over the country bartenders and they put them up in, in her house she's got five bedrooms so they can put them up and they come in and they just do miracle and they it's just a slaughterhouse um, and and people love it and people wait in line to get in and the drinks are delicious and the team is excited and I don't know I, I just it, it gets me excited to talk about because I feel like it's such a crazy thing which then makes me wonder if miracle's doing so well why wouldn't you do a Halloween bar uh, for October? Why wouldn't you do a, I don't know, fucking July 4th bar in, says, in the summer. <laughs> says the
2: guy who opened up an occult bar in October. Hey, listen.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, you know, a lot of people asked me that um, after I did the the miracle in Norwalk, they're like, why don't you do a Valentine's Day bar? And, and my answer was like, who wants to celebrate Valentine's day for a full month? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't don't want to do it for a day. day. Most people don't want to celebrate it the day. And, you know, like it's same with like, you know, Easter and, you know, they're like, you could do it for every holiday. I really do think that Christmas and possibly Halloween, you could get away with, are the only holidays that anyone wants to celebrate for a full month.
3: (laughs) Uh, Well, Amoria Margo uh, is, you know, the original space is 240 square feet. And uh, we've kicked around the idea each year, uh, jokingly. But, you know, jokes jokes often lead to truths. Mountain Soos. uh, we've, we've kicked around we've kicked around the idea year over year of doing a, a you know sort of a Krampus bar uh, because we're yes. all stirred drinks, all bitter Love drinks. It. We could we could easily do like this sort of anti-hero Christmas situation.
4: Yes, and,
3: and you know, but then we stopped and say, "Fuck it, we're busy enough as it is."
4: <laughs> when we when we did Twelfth Street Miracle, we had a we had a whole Krampus corner. When uh, they did Miracle on Twelfth Street, um, God, well, I, I guess that would have been twenty nineteen, um, mm. yeah. And they a whole like uh, wallpapered kind of Krampus area, which I, I just think is super cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I man, I know that you know Thief is off the ground and, and hopefully doing well, but I just I know that Miracle's going to give you a real shot in the arm, and it's going to push you right into the next the next uh, year.
4: I, I hope. Thank you, Southern. I, I hope so. We're yeah, we you know, we're, we're very optimistic. We are getting bombarded with emails. We've gotten some great press. We're the only one in Brooklyn this year. You know, there actually used to be like two or three um, in some of the past years uh, within Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so I think um, we have a, a huge advantage there. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been, you know, getting bombarded with, with emails since like the timeout and secret NYC just did articles about miracle on ninth and miracle on union. Um, you know, people looking to, to, to reserve tables, which, which we don't do, but it's, it's nice to hear that. uh, Yeah. There's uh, a lot of uh, uh, there's interest,
3: right? Are you going to, um, I know that when Derek Brown did all of his pop-up stuff, including miracle, he didn't allow people into the bar. I mean, rather he didn't, he didn't take your number and let you leave, you had to stand in line outside. So he would have lines down the
4: block. I mean, that's what Greg has done in the past on Ninth Street as well. I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, how that would work with with where I am and my neighbors. You know, like, I mean, I think that's what it really comes down to. Sure, you want to be, be a good neighbor. I want to be a good neighbor. I think that, you know, I I really believe that uh, we're just going to take numbers, you know, and, and people sure. can, you know, we've got Casa Publica, which has a fairly big bar across the street and, um, you know. Pete's Candies there's, there's a few bars in this the neighborhood silver silver light tavern which i love um i love, I love Pete's Candy Store man that place is awesome and Pete's is awesome yeah so there's there's places people can go and and hang uh and we'll just you know shoot them a text i, I think that's the way we're going i do love i got to say though i do love the line th- the way the the line worked at Ninth, it, it was really cool you know and you we'd we'd go out and talk to people while they were in line you know, I, I, I do kind of like that, but you know, it is, it is winter. So,
2: yeah, I mean, there's, there's something kind of charming about that. Well, not, not about winter fun right.
4: winter, but right. you know,
2: there is, there is something a little charming about the sort of the, the camaraderie yeah. of like, yeah, we're going to wait in line for this. Yeah. Uh, but I also, I don't know. I do wonder what, what would happen to that, you know, as we're, as we're asking people to stand in line again for a place for the first time since, you know, March of 2019 because you know people are like well you can take my phone number now like why do i have to why do i have to do this endurance contest to prove that i like want to be inside of this bar you know
4: right i,
3: I don't know i think it's something to do with spectacle you know when when Drake, yeah. oh, sorry when uh Derek brown did a uh, game of thrones pop up he spent over ten thousand dollars having the throne replicated right and people stood in line he told me for over four hours to get in and then they'd stand in line for two or three hours to get in the chair and take a photo of themselves.
4: Oh, my God. So That's, people are, people are willing. Sorry. And he said it,
3: it became a scene outside. You know, people getting yeah. Chinese food and pizzas delivered. And yeah, I think with the relaxed restrictions, uh, or at least the fact that, you know, people aren't really enforcing a lot of stuff right now, you might be able to get away with doing I don't know if it's winter and it's, they're standing in line You serve them some hot chocolate with some 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 booze in it outside <laughs> or port,
2: hat, it's a, it's a good thing we that. still have all those outdoor dining hutches right fellas
3: oh, <laughs> oh rats <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well I don't I don't know if I ever told you this other but when I the when the first ever miracle launched in DC which I think was uh, other than yours John the first one outside of the original location my yeah roommate at the time was working at a place called All Souls, which if you're ever in DC, check it out. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite bars in the city, but it's around the corner from where Mockingbird Hill is. And he came back one day from work with like this, this dazed look in his eyes. And I was like, dude, what happened? He like rough day at work. He's like, I don't know, man, there's like some sort of pop-up Christmas bar that opened <laughs> up around the corner. And like, people are waiting for like three hours to get in and then they're coming to me and they're like covered in candy canes. And I didn't know <laughs> what to do. It was too much. <laughs>
4: that is funny. Yeah.
3: Um, well, John, what uh, uh, you got uh, an Instagram. I'm trying to look it up right now. What is it? Thief BK? That's correct. Yes. T- so T-H-I-E-F B-K is where you can follow along with what's going on at Thief. And I'm assuming you're going to have all, it's going to be all miracle takeover on your Instagram as well. It will oh, be. Look, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, there's a countdown.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got the countdown going.
3: I know a lot of bars that do Miracle and Sip and Santa that uh, have a, have a separate Instagram account just for it. Uh, that it's nuts.
4: It's funny, you know. I I was talking to my PR company yesterday about that. I, I was like, you know, why are we not doing a, a separate Miracle one? And and their um, response was actually logical. Uh, it being our first year um sure. we're deciding to like just keep keep all the focus on thief um you know to build that awareness and then we'll take the holiday content down uh once miracle ends and then next year we'll probably start a miracle on union you know god willing uh, w- we're still sure, here the holiday, and- <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, the holiday but, content that you generate here you yeah. can take it off of off we, of this one and put it e- on the
4: other one exactly so and i I, I think i think it. that'll be the plan um is that next year we will have our own you know miracle on union instagram we are going to have a miracle on union google page you know so that when people google it that it will it will pop up and they can that's and smart. they can add pictures there
3: that's really smart yeah um well, John, thanks so much for spending your time with us and talking to us about your illustrious career and also the cracking open of Thief. Um, and as I said, I'll, I'll make my way in there before the weekend is over uh, so I can see it for myself. I've only seen it from the outside. Oh, we look yeah, maybe
2: forward to Maybe I'll take a nice long uh, constitutional over there as well.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, join us, that would, be, that would be amazing. Yeah, uh, get,
2: some, get some fresh air. Get some exercise, you know.
4: <laughs> We'd love to have you guys. Perfect. Uh, well... John,
3: thanks again for joining us and spending some time with us here on Speakeasy. Really appreciate your time and talking to us about everything you've got going on and looking forward to coming over and seeing the bar and encourage people to come over and see you as well. Uh, miracle begins
4: again on what day? November 23rd, so next Tuesday. Ah, my birthday. What? Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: we finally found out what day his birthday is, guys. Ah,
3: shit. That. Edit that shit out of there, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that shit out. Uh, Everyone
2: wish him a happy birthday on Instagram. He'll love it.
3: Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I've got nothing left. Greg, if you, if you want to take us out.
2: Uh, well, sure. I just wanted to say one last thing. This is going to be our final show before Thanksgiving. So for all of you that are traveling, uh, safe travels, whether you're with your family or your friends, hope you're around uh, people that you love and appreciate you and fill your life with warmth and joy. And I also wanted to say uh, that since November is um, Indigenous Heritage Month, if you are concerned about, you know, the problematic legacy of Thanksgiving and that particular piece of American myth-making, uh, our guest from last week, Chalky Tom, has some really, really great resources that uh, you can check out. And maybe, uh, you know, if you feel so moved on the fourth Thursday of Thanksgiving, make a little donation to a organization of your choice. Maybe give a little bit back this time.
3: Yeah, that's, that sounds brilliant, and Chucky's a great resource. Uh, I just want to say a quiet shout-out to my, my friends and my team down in North Carolina at Draymond Draft. It's uh, Just suffered a great loss yesterday, and just want to let them know that we're thinking about them, and uh, we'll be thinking about them all, all throughout the holidays as well. Uh, but that's all I've got for this episode of the Speakeasy. Thanks for tuning in. Check out heritageradionetwork.org, uh, where you can check out many more shows just like this one. There's a beating heart icon on there somewhere. You can click on that to donate to keep the shows on air. And uh, thanks for always joining us. Cheers, everybody.
2: Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with
3: your. The speakeasy right is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10 year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash Heritage Radio Network.
4: Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization